Week after week, we've been building on this series of what it takes to build a firm family foundation, whether you're single or married. And we've been talking about these cards that make a house come crumbling down or the cards that are in place allow the house to be built up. And so layer after layer, card after card, week after week, we've been looking at different components of what allow us to build a firm foundation so that we can be all that God created us to be. We are all placed here for a purpose. God just didn't allow us to be born and just kind of just throw us to earth and say, hey, have at it, do whatever you want. No, he had a purpose and a mission on our lives. And we're placed here for an even bigger purpose than most of us realize. We're placed here to, to continue to reach people and tell people that there is a God that's real he, and, and that he lives and he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your savior. And so we have this missional call on us to seek and save lost people like Jesus did. And meanwhile, in this journey, we're supposed to live in such a way that we work, that we play, that we recreate, that we have families, if that's the intent that God had. And and we continue to live out this life in a way so that we can live to our redemptive potential. All of us have skills, abilities, and gifts that God has given us. We were placed here for a great purpose. Yet the only way we can do it well, the only way we can live, what I would often say, is to our redemptive potential, to the potential that Christ has created us to live, is if we're fit and prepared to do so. Like, if we're not at our best, then we can't perform at our best because we're not able to. And so there's this card in the house that that right away, some of you, you'll want to dismiss. You'll want to come up with a list of excuses. I just ask you, please, maybe today for the very first time in weeks, maybe months, and maybe this is the day you just say, Holy Spirit, please, open my heart. I, I throw away every reason that, I, that I'm not working in this area. And God, Holy Spirit, I pray that, I, that you would compel me forward. And that I'll strip myself of all these excuses. And I won't say it's too late. It's too hard. It's too difficult. The only way that we will ever be able to perform at our best for Christ is to get this card in place. To be fit and prepared for the work that he's called us to do. The Bible says it this way. That we're supposed to redeem the time. Like, we only have a certain amount of time to live on planet Earth, so redeem that time. And then he talks about redeem the moments. In fact, in Ephesians 5, 16, Paul said, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. In other words, do your best. Like, don't just bypass it. Don't just coast. Don't just bow out. Make the most of every opportunity that's presented to you to share Christ, to live out your faith. In the workplace, in the homes, whether you're a coach or teacher or welder or, or carpenter or CEO or business owner, do your best to make the most of every opportunity. Then Paul said this, he said in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And so really when you go to work, you're not working for your boss. You're working for your God. And often that helps you to work even harder. I really hope, and, and, and for me personally, I want to give my best for Jesus while I'm here. Like, I don't know, this could be my last day. I could leave today. I could go home on County Road 21. I could be in an accident, and God could take my life, and I could go home. But I don't know how long my days are numbered. But what I do know is I can limit those days by the choices I make. I can limit how effective I am for living out this mission, and so can you, by the way we choose to treat the bodies in which God has given us. Far too many neglect this card. Far too many Christians have lists and lists of reasons of why they're not fit and prepared. Let me just begin by saying this truth regarding us as human beings. We are far more capable than what we realize. We, have, we can do far more than what we realize. Some of you have limited it. Some of you said, I'm not able, I can't because of this. I'm not prepared, I'm not fit. We can do so much more when the living God lives inside of us. When we wrap our minds around that the living God lives inside us and we are fearfully made, it changes the way we wake up each morning. 
I want to just start with this text. Turn to Psalm chapter 39. Turn to Psalm chapter 39, 139, and look at verses 13 and 14. Very basic truth, yet one that's often overlooked. It's often quoted, yet we don't do much with it. We say, oh, yeah, great. But look at Psalm 139. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. And if you don't own a Bible, take this Bible home. It's a gift from Grace Community. And if you have 10 at home that you're already taking the last 10 weeks, bring them back and just keep one of them. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. Stand with me and we'll read it together. We are capable of more than we realize. Look at Psalm 139. Let's read verses 13 and 14. Would you read it with me out loud together? Ready? Read. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Read 14 with me again. Ready? I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You have a seat. Did you wake up this morning? Like, do you feel that way like at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning? Hey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know that full well. Or did it take six cups of coffee for you to feel that way this morning? We are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Word of God tells us. In fact, I just want to show you how fearfully and wonderfully made, just, just so maybe it'll be like this catalyst, like, wow, it's amazing how God has made us. Listen to some of these things about our human bodies to show how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. Did you know that more than half the bones in a human body are in the hands and the feet? That the heart beats about three billion times in the average person's lifetime? Did you know a newborn baby has 350 bones, but a fully grown adult has 206? Like, what up with that? Like, where'd they go? Did you know that the blood is a liquid organ? Did you know that everyone is colorblind at birth? Did you know our lungs inhale over 2 million liters of air every day without even thinking? The surface area of the lungs is approximately the size of a tennis court. Did you know that? Did you know that food will get to your stomach even if you're standing on your head? Did you know that the average adult is made up of 100 trillion cells? That our brain is more complex than the most powerful computer and has 100 billion nerve cells? Did you know that the cornea is more complex than most powerful computers and has 100 billion nerve cells? Did you know that each cell in your body has an estimated six to eight feet of DNA? Each cell, six to eight feet of DNA. Did you know the total length of your circulatory system stretches an amazing 60,000 miles? That is more than twice the distance around the earth. Except for your brain cells, 50 million of the cells in your body will have died and been replaced with others All the while I finish reading that sentence. Whoa! Did you know your heart beats about 100,000 times in one day? And about 40 million times in a year? In one hour, the heart works hard enough to produce enough energy to raise almost one ton of weight one yard off the ground. Did you know that messages travel along the nerves as electrical impulses? They travel at speeds up to 248 miles per hour. Jeff Gordon could use that this afternoon. Did you know our eyes can distinguish up to 1 million color surfaces and take in more information than the largest telescope known to man? Did you know that we give birth to 100 billion red blood cells every single day and about 2 million red blood cells every single second? Did you know that when we touch something, we send a message to our brain at 124 miles per hour? Did you know we exercise at least 30 muscles when we smile? Let's all smile. Do it again. One more time. That's almost 100 muscles that got moved. 
Did you know that we're 70% water? You talk about recycling value? Man, look at this. Did you know that our bodies have copper, zinc, cobalt, calcium, manganese, phosphates, nickel, and silicone in our bodies? There might be some kids being recycled this afternoon. Did you know that the average life of a taste bud is only 10 days? Did you know our bodies contain enough water to fill a 10-gallon tank? Did you know we have enough carbon in us to manufacture 900 number two pencils? Did you know that people blink once every four seconds because the eyelashes act as windscreen wipers, keeping dust and grime from getting into the eye itself? Did you know that humans are the only mammals who are unable to turn their ears in order to hear approaching predators? Ever tried? Did you know if a person has two-thirds of their liver removed from trauma or surgery? Think about this. Two-thirds. It will grow back to its original size in four weeks' time. Did you know it's normal to lose 100 hairs per day from the scalp? Boy, some of you are really hurting. (laughs) Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. So in light of that, don't you think that God would want us to take care of them? Don't you think if he went to all that extreme, did all that for us, that he would say, I hope you take care of this vessel. I hope that you're fit and prepared at a moment's notice if I call your number to run to the front lines and tell people about Jesus Christ. Truth be known, we're at our best when we're able to accomplish these things when we're fit and prepared. What if, by the way, just what if, hypothetically, what if the only thing that limited us from being all that Christ wanted us to be was truly just talent and skill. I mean, what if we had a task in front of us? What if if this task in front of us, and, and we could do it just based upon skill and talent, and nothing could stop us from doing that? If nothing else, what would it be like just to be able to do everything that Christ wanted you to do with your bodies that he intended from the foundation of the world? The major reason, major, number one reason, We can't do some of the things is because we lack energy. We are wiped out. In fact, some of us could never bound the steps, the stairs, from the bottom of the first floor to Kid City without getting to the top and being out of air. Some of us could barely jog from your seat to the parking lot without a heart murmur. Yet for some reason, we choose not to do anything about it, or we find an excuse. Why? When the living God lives in us. Let me clarify something before you start throwing rocks at me. I'm not talking about body size here. Because some people who look the fittest are more out of shape and not as fit as someone who looks fit. You see, somewhere along the road, we believe the lie that good health should be a low priority. You don't have to look far across family, generations, and lineage. You don't have to look farther than America in itself to know that we have fallen along the wayside because of the abilities of poor health choices. In fact, I have been confronted on many occasions with this whole concept, Jim, but the Bible says, Jim, but the Bible says, Jim, that bodily exercise profits little. But the Bible says, Jim, that it has little value. But the Bible says, Jim, and because the Bible says that, Jim, then spiritual exercise is more important. I've had that conversation over and over and over and over and over again. Well, I want to bring some clarity to that conversation. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's the text verse that we go to. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and look at verse 8. Let's just see what that verse says. Let's just see what it really means. Paul, speaking to young Timothy, 
was speaking into his life. And he's saying this, if you want to be the best messenger of the truth, if you want to be the best preacher, if you want to be the best front lines kind of, 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 of follower of Christ, then this must be true. And he says this in verse 8, for physical what? Training is of some value. Some translations say profits us little. But godliness has value or profits us for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So I've had conversations and people will say this. Jim, but the Bible says that bodily exercise, that physical exercise profits little. And spiritual exercise profits us more. So I don't need to do. Like I'm going to work at the spiritual side more than the physical side. Let me give you some clarity to this statement that Paul made. Paul was not saying that bodily exercise isn't important. This is a comparative statement to show that spiritual exercise is much more important. Physical exercise is only beneficial in this life. But spiritual exercise will help us in the world to come as well as in this life. Yet we only get one chance in this body to exercise it because our time on earth is short. So sure, think about this. It's duration, sure, physical body profits little because you only have this amount of time on earth. Compared to eternity, spiritually, that, sure, that is small compared to spiritual eternity. So it's a duration as opposed to importance. It says that it's limited on earth as opposed to spiritual exercise being forever. Little as in time, Paul is saying, compared to eternity, but not in importance. Certainly, it's, it's a comparative statement. He's not saying since you have a whole bunch more time with this, then you shouldn't do this. He's saying, no, you might only have 70 years. So 70 years compared to a million years, the value is shorter. It's not as long. By the way, do you really believe God wouldn't want us to be good stewards of this body that he has given us? Here's what I know to be true as a follower of Christ. This is me personally speaking. The closer I get to Jesus the more I long to be healthy. Like, the closer I get, it's like, I want to be healthy. And why? Because I want to be right on the front lines. I don't want to limit my choices that I've made that would keep me from, when God calls my number, I don't want to be, not be able to go because of the poor fit and, and preparation choices that I've made. I want to run to the front lines. I don't want to limit because time is short. Jesus could rapture the church tomorrow. And I want to be on the front lines taking the good news to the nations. I also want to be fit and prepared because of this. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul has some more good things talking about the body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. I also want you to quickly look at how this first statement is written. It's a question. It's not a statement. It's a question. So Paul is asking a question. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, do you not know, Grace Community, Jim Brown, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples? In other words, I would say it this way. Here's Jim Brown paraphrase. What were you thinking when you did that to your body? What were you thinking when you refused to care for your Don't you know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? What were you thinking when he was looking at Timothy? Let me just try to describe this as best as I can. Suppose this was a house. Suppose this is a temple. Suppose this is your body. 
Now, picture two, two houses. One house over here, another house over here. And in these two houses, the outside looks similar. Yet what if you knew on this side there was nothing special in this house? It was just a house that was empty and vacant. But what if you knew that this house over here had the Holy Spirit living in it? Like, what if you knew, like, every time you opened up, like, woo, Holy Spirit. What if you knew that, that inside of this house, as compared to that house, lived the living God? What if you knew, like, God said, I live in this house. How would you treat this house? Like, like God lives here. How would you handle this house? Like, how often would you clean it off? How often would you make sure what you put into it is, is healthy? How often would you, would you, would you think that, wow, God lives in here? How careful would you be with this house? Like, wouldn't you want to take care of this place? Because in this place, God lives. The reality is this. Paul says, your body is a house. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, I moved in. And now your body houses the Holy Spirit. And so every day of your life, he goes with you. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. He's everywhere you go. And right now, your body houses the living God. Paul says, what were you thinking when you did that to your body? What were you thinking? Didn't you know so I asked the question today. Didn't you know that when you woke up this morning, went to bed last night, that the living God lives in your house? Like, doesn't that change the way you want to take care of your body? Like, like don't you feel like this, the value has changed? Like, don't you want to make it the best house for the living God to live in? And so Paul says, what were you thinking, Jimmy? What were you thinking? Can I ask you a question? If the president of the United States moved into your guest room this weekend and you knew he was coming, like, like, Set aside how you feel. He's the president of the United States. He's coming in and he's coming to your house. He's going to live in your guest room. How many of you would like, I'm calling Cope's Carpet Cleaner and we're cleaning that room. How many of you would call Max back and say, repaint these walls? How many of you would go to the linen department and say, bring out the silk? How many of you would get the, the plushy, plushy pillow? How many of you would take the toilet paper and turn the corners on it? Why? Because the president of the United States was going to come and live in your house. Yet, the God of the universe lives in our house? And Paul is saying, what were you thinking? Why don't you take better care of that house? Like, I live there. See, when you begin to process that, when I process that, I'm deeply convicted. And it's like, I'm guarding the house. Like, don't get near the house. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to make sure what goes in here is going to be good. I'm going to make sure the walls are clean. I'm going to make sure the things that I, that I say are good. I'm going to make sure the, 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 the things I do to this house are good. I'm going to make sure that this house is fit and prepared because the living God of the universe lives in our house. That should change everything, Grace Community. It should change how you sleep, and how you talk. 
how you eat, how you exercise, how you live. Yet, did you think about that this morning when you had breakfast? Did you think about this week when you didn't have enough energy when you got home because you were worn out after eight hours of work and you wonder why? Did you think that maybe the Holy Spirit wanted you to do something else, maybe go to your neighbors and rake their leaves? But you couldn't because you're worn out. Did you think that he might have wanted you to be on the front lines in Iraq? But you couldn't because you weren't prepared. Some of us are so wiped out at the end of the workday that the only thing we want to do when we get home is sleep. Yet, a living God lives in us. And so we take him to the couch. We take him to the lazy boy and we give him some more stuff that'll bring us to the lazy boy the next day. See, here's what I know to be true. The Holy Spirit didn't come to your house to write a eulogy. The Holy Spirit came to your house to write a legacy. He didn't come to write a eulogy. He came to write a legacy. So, what's he writing in your house? You see, church, this is important. This card is so important. And it's time we don't skirt it any longer. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with body shape. It has everything to do with obedience. Why? Why do we want to be the most fit and prepared? Because we are here on mission to point people to Jesus Christ. You see, we can increase our capacity to be used by God through exercise. And when we exercise, our body produces two major hormones that will either push us in or pull us out. And these hormones are catecholamines. It's the challenge and fight response. And there's cortisol. It's the fear response. So exercise increases the catecholamines that give us energy. So as you regularly exercise, your body builds more catecholamines, which in turn gives you more energy, which in turn allows you to respond instead of retreating. The less we exercise our bodies, we create cortisol, and that's a fear response. And our bodies shut down. They get tired. And so you know what we do? We try to replace it with a monster drink. Oh, I'll get a five-hour this morning. And so for five hours, I'll pretend synthetically that I'm okay. But when that five hours is up, we crash. God never intended our bodies to be fueled by monster. He's created our bodies to be fueled by catecholamines. And they're produced through exercise. By the way, if you get this one down, not only will it benefit you, but it'll benefit your children. See, here's the problem. Let me speak to fathers today. We're supposed to be the gatekeepers of our families. Like, we're supposed to be the providers and the protectors, and we're supposed to be the ones who guard the home. Like, when, when adverse situations come or when the perpetrators come, we're supposed to be able, let me ask you a question. Could any, most of you, could, could you swim out a quarter mile into the water and rescue your drowning child or would you have to point to some other dude on the beach to run and save your own child because you couldn't do it? Let me ask you, if your child was abducted in a parking lot and the only thing that that abductor had was his hands and he took off running, could you chase him down? You see, that's what fathers are supposed to do. Protect, provide. Or are you limited because of the poor health choices that you've made? You see, I have ladies come to me often, wives, and they'll come and they'll say this, Pastor Jim, they'll say it like this. Pastor Jim, can you get my, my, can you get my husband to join Fight Club? And I'll ask, why? 
And you know one of the primary reasons, right under leadership, because I'm concerned about his health. Like, I'm concerned that he's going to die one day. And, and, and you know, and, and so she'll say something like this, and she says, I don't know what I would do without him. Like, I don't know that I can make it. And so listen to me, husbands. There are wives out there that wonder. Like, they see you one Big Mac away from a heart attack. And they lose sleep at night over that. Does that bother you at all? Like, like, and so here's the thing. Even for me personally, I'm not just thinking about my family. I'm thinking about one day as I continue to age. I'm thinking about down the road, like I'm on my 80s, and maybe I'll get 100. I, oh, that would be something my kids had to take care of me at 100. But imagine that. Just, but I'm thinking down the road, like, Josh, I pray for you if that's the case, bud. You got to take care of me at 80. Just, just tie me to the bedpost. But I'm thinking down the road generationally, like, like, even like recent, there's studies that come out that say that if you don't get enough sleep, that Alzheimer's, that's a symptom that causes Alzheimer's. So I'm processing this. Imagine me not being able to remember and then placing that on my kids. You see, I'm thinking, I want them to have quality of life when they're in their 50s too, that they're not chasing me down. See, that's part of being a good steward. As exercise increases, so do the catecholamines. Exercise is a gift from God, not a burden from him. And so many people see it as a burden. See, if you get this one down, it'll change the quality of your life and the mission that Christ has on your life. As fathers, I think we should be way out in front in this area. What if God really did take a moment at the beam of seat when we're raptured and we just stood there? What if he really did roll up tape and said, this is how I really wanted to use you, but you rendered yourself ineffective because you chose not to take care of the vessel? Like, what if he did? I mean, maybe that's where all the tears are removed. I don't know. What if it was like, you mean I could have done that? You mean I could have played basketball with my son when I was 60? You mean, you mean my wife and I, could, I could have chased her around the house till she was 90? And God would say, yeah. Abraham did. <laughs> that just came to me, by the way. You see, 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the, the reason for the hope that you have. You see, some of us won't be able to do that because we can't even walk across the street. What ways have you limited Jesus from using you? Some of you are making poor health choices that you'll hand down to your children because the truth of the matter is this. Men decide their habits, and your habits decide your future and often your children's future. The way you eat, your children will eat. The way you, you live out your life and get permission, they'll do it. The way you sleep, they'll sleep. All the habits are formed at early ages, and we learn it from our parents. You pass those down. You see, I long for my kids to be frontline browns. <laughs> I want them to run to the chaos and take Jesus there. And the best way for me to help them is to show them the way to do that. Your body was not designed for inactivity. Rest and recovery keep us fit and prepared. Do you realize in Psalm 127, verse 2, it says this. Listen to me. This is important because some of you got this all out of whack too. In vain you rise up early and stay up late. In vain, you rise up early and stay up late. But God grants sleep to those he loves. In vain, you get up early and stay up late and watch Netflix. In vain, you rise up early worrying. But God grants sleep to those he loves. He grants it by allowing us to cast off our concerns and our worries to him. Sleep is often a lordship issue in our lives. Do we try to be the Lord of our lives 
or we let him be the Lord of our lives. When we become Lord of our lives, it causes major disbelief in God's ability to provide for us. So we toss and turn all night long. Truth be known, we should be able to sleep in the trenches of the battlefield because our God is with us and who could ever stand against us? Sleep is the primary way God has designed our bodies to recover and replenish. And he says he grants sleep to those he loves. He granted it to his own son when he was on earth. Luke 5, 16 says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Luke 9 in verse 10 says they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Not only do we need a good health plan, but we need a good recovery plan to replenish ourselves. There is a myth in our circles, and it goes something like this. i got to get rid of stress in my life. Like, I hear people say that, I have so much stress at work. I have so much stress in my marriage. I have so much stress in my singleness. I have so much stress at school. I have so much stress with these exams. I have so much stress with this sickness. I have so much stress. I have so much stress. As if that's an evil thing. Listen, stress in itself isn't sinful. Getting rid of stress isn't necessarily good. Let me explain. If you've ever lifted weights and you've curled, say you took a dumbbell, or a barbell, and you began to curl, and you tried to build your bicep. You take and you lift. You might do three to five sets, and you might increase weight. And the more you do it, the more stress it puts on your muscle. Now, if you did that 24-7 continuously, just all day long for seven days a week, what would happen to your muscle? Well, try it, and you'll find out. We have to have a recovery. Like, you don't go every day and work the same muscles and keep working them. It has to have a period where after you put stress on it, you let it recover. You you rest it. And when you rest it, guess what happens to it? It grows. And dudes put on stupid shirts that are real tight so you can see your biceps. That's a whole other issue. Our bodies are the same way. When there's stress on them, it's a catalyst for growth. And so God says when stress comes into your life, it's not a sinful thing, but it's there. Deal with it and then recover, replenish. You know what happens? We grow as a result of the stress. Stress is the catalyst for growth. Sleep is probably the best way for recovery to take place. In fact, people who are a lot smarter than me, a lot, most people who are smarter than me, tell us that we should sleep seven to eight hours a day. Some people say, well, I only need five hours of sleep to make it. No, that's what you programmed your body to do. But if you continue to sleep for five hours, let me tell you, your body will break down. And you know what else happens? You break down. And so you know what happens out of that? When you don't get your sleep, you become short with people. You are tired halfway through the day. And you know what you do? You get a monster. You're an emotional mess. And there's no way you could ever outthink anyone when you're not living at your full potential of rest and recovery. You are grumpy, you are agitated, and your wife doesn't want to be around you. And your body has learned to recover on its own if you don't put rest and recovery. Listen to me, by the way. It's okay to sleep. It's okay to sleep for seven hours. Don't feel guilty. Just say, guess what? God grants it to the ones he loves. He loves me. Like, there's this value in our world somehow. Wow, you sleep for eight hours? Yeah, and I'm proud of it. What's wrong with eight hours of sleep? It's just chance to recover. Listen to me. As you recover and you have a good sleep pattern, you know what happens to the days of your life? You continue to live out the number of days that God intended from the beginning. If you don't get recovery, you will cut it short and you will limit how Christ can use you. 
So what's your body do? It has its own recovery system. They're called headaches. You know what we do? We pop pills. We carry pills in our cars, in our vehicles, in our purses, in our wallets, in our offices. Oh, I feel terrible. I got a headache. Your body is saying, sleep, eat correctly, recover. No, this is, this is much better. I'll just push this. This is just a symptom. I'll get rid of the symptom. And the body is saying, no, no, no. You will cut short your life if you're dependent on pills to numb your headaches. Your immune system will weaken and get sick if you don't rest. And you are constantly tired. And you will reach burnout. Listen to me, I've been there. Like, I've pushed it even with doing the right things. I can tell you right before I took my sabbatical, I was at the end of me. Like, I was, by God's grace, we made it. I know what it's like to push until you can't push anymore. And so I have to say, even though I'm doing all these things, my nature says, just keep going, just keep going, be the hamster. But then the Spirit speaks to me and says, Jimmy, hey, Jimmy Brown, get off the wheel. Get to bed. God grants sleep to those he loves. You must find an end to your week and your day. There will always be work there. Nutrition is another way to replenish yourself. You know, we have all these things like we're all, we should crucify our flesh and eat the right things, basically. We are always trying to find passages in the Bible that give us freedom and permission in the flesh. Like, well, that's permissible. I can eat that. I can drink that. That's permissible. We're always looking for, like, we, 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 we quote all everything we find in Galatians. Freedom to do that. We go to Romans. I'm not causing anyone to stumble. And we have all these freedoms. Praise God for freedoms. But listen, how often do, 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 you, do you think about all the passages that call, you, that, that call us to crucify our flesh? Oh, 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 I like the freedom one, Jim. Yet Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Ask yourself this question. Do you spend more time justifying your freedoms than crucifying your flesh and desires and passions? Listen to me. Listen, I like the good stuff too. Like, You give me peanut butter pie, I'll just keep eating it if I don't crucify my flesh. Like, like I like Mike and Ike's. Like, you give me a a box of 24 Mike and Ike's, I could polish those babies off pretty quickly if I didn't crucify my flesh. Like, like, I like red meat. Like, you give me a nice steak, and you give me another steak, and, and if I'm the one that gets to cook the steaks, I like taking little pieces off and eat a full steak before I eat the steak. But we have to make choices to crucify the flesh. Why? Because the living God lives in us. He's got work for us to do. He's got families for us to lead and friends to come to Christ. And grandchildren to run and play ball with. Even yesterday, as I was playing basketball with my son, my 22-year-old son in adult league, and it's something I dreamed about. You you might think I'm really weird, but I look forward to the day that I could line up beside Josh Brown, and you could put Jim Brown, and we're guards out front, and the Brown boys can play hoops together. See, that was a goal of mine. Why? Because I love my son. Like, I love hanging out with him. Like, it's like, and by the way, we're pretty tough together. And so I watch Isaiah, and I told Isaiah yesterday, I said, Isaiah, I'll be 56 when you're playing in the adult league, so by God's grace, I want to line up beside you, and we'll put, we'll put three Browns on the court at one time. Why? Because it's a value that I have. And I also want to be able to run with, with the Browns that come from the Browns. It's a value to me. And I also want to be ready at a moment's notice if God calls my name and calls our family's name to not be limited by my health. You see, when we get this one down, it's a game changer for us. Improper nutrition limits you. 
Stop eating fast food every day. Like, listen to me. I love number sevens at McDonald's. Like, I love five guys. Like, those burgers, the fries, holy cow, I could eat a whole bag myself. And, and by the way, I have. And I felt like crap afterwards. Poor nutrition drops your metabolism rate. And See, we've even removed the word sin from gluttony. And even from our vocabularies. Like, well, I just overeat. Like, that's not sinful, is it? Oh, yes, it is. The Bible speaks clearly about gluttony. And so here's what we say. Here's what we say. Here's what parents say to their kids. And here's what husbands say to their wives. And wives say to their husbands. If we don't get this down. Here's what we say. Um, I just want to let you know that probably in three months, um, I'm going to have type 2 diabetes. Probably in three months, I'll probably have a heart attack. And probably in three months, uh, four months, or sometime this year, I'll have sleep apnea. And and probably I'll have problems with my gallbladder. So... (laughs) Hope you have a good day. See, we don't even think about that. And listen, your kids are thinking about you too. They notice. They want you around with the grandkids. They want you to take the wisdom and the skill sets that you have and and teach their kids. They love their dads and their moms. That's why Proverbs 23, 20 says, don't drink too much wine and get drunk. Don't eat too much food and get fat. Drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row in a stupor dressed in rags. That's why Proverbs 22, 2 to 3 says this. Don't gobble your food. Don't talk with your mouth full. And don't stuff yourself. Bridle your appetite. Well, every dinner table needs that, doesn't it? You see, food becomes your friend. And it becomes your God. Many try to fill that void of boredom and hopelessness with food. I mean, how do we always reward ourselves? Let's go out to eat. How about, let's go out and walk. No, that doesn't sound fun, Jim. You don't like it looking good. <laughs> Let me just speak about body image briefly here because I don't want you to get confused that somehow a certain body shape is like the, the fit way. One size does not fit all. Let me speak to women today about body image. Let me just say this first. In Psalms, it says this. You need to hear this. Like, it'd be good to repeat this every day. The king is enthralled with your beauty. Like, your beauty is not a number on a scale. Like, when you walk to your scale, it doesn't make you beautiful if you hit a certain number. Like, And so if it was, every day you would go there and try to chase your beauty. You would starve your beauty. You would would keep coming back and you would think, oh, I'm beautiful today. Listen, God already says he's enthralled with your beauty. But you can take care of your beauty. Can I just say off to to, to women who have birthed kids, let, let me just say something too. You have done something that is incredible in our world. You have brought life into the world. Listen, so what if your hips spread farther? So what if, if, if your body isn't like it was before you were married? That scar, that body image is a trophy of love and a miraculous birth that you brought in the world. Celebrate it. I want to speak to husbands. You celebrate it too. It's trophies. It's scars. It's, it's reminders that, you know what? I had a C-section. You know what? And my abs aren't what they were before I gave birth. Celebrate that trophy because from that scar came life. It's a trophy. The point is this, there are some things you will never be able to do in your 60s that you can do in your 20s. But don't allow that to keep you and stop you from taking care of your body in your 60s and be able to do as much as you can in your 60s. 
One of the greatest gifts, husbands, that you can give your wife and your children is the gift of health. I have never met a wife that says, oh, please, don't get fit, hubby. Water replenishes you. And we're going to talk about that in our Grace for 21. You should drink 64 ounces of water a day. Eight, eight-ounce cups. Yes, you'll run to the bathroom 84 times, but your body needs water. Often we're thirsty and we fill it up with food. We need to fill it up with water. Some of you are planning for a heart attack. Some of you are planning for a stroke. Some of you are planning for diabetes. Some of you are planning to spend the rest of your life tired, fatigued, falling short of what God intended for your life. Seriously, some of you might want to tell God that you're going to cut short his plan for your life. But listen, the good news is this. It's never too late to start. Please do an evaluation of yourself right now. Do you have energy? Are you out of breath? Are you an emotional wreck from time to time? Are you constantly negative? Do small things wreck your world emotionally? Have you said no to doing something because of your fitness level? Have you been turned down from a job or an opportunity to serve Christ because you weren't fit and prepared? Please don't be the next statistic. Your family needs you. Your God needs you. Don't sell your Savior short. Give him the best house possible to live in. Jesus, help us today. Lord, I really pray that we would get this. It's not about our looks. It's about our fit and preparation plan. Oh, God, I pray that this Grace 21 that Jeremiah is about to introduce would just be a catalyst for us to get on a good journey so that we would live to our redemptive potential and we would be on mission the way you intended. Please, God, in Jesus' name, amen.